0: Welcome to Disco Headlines Weekly, a podcast where we share news, information, resources, tips and tricks about Disco You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and then search for Disco Headlines. You can also find us on the web at DiscoCuliaheadlines.com and then click on the podcast page. ADHD and Disco the connection, moving from teacher-centered to learner-centered, creative with Cuisine rods, rethinking math instructions, and socioeconomic status plays an important role. This is our podcast for week 9 of 2020. And welcome Dr. Schroeder, the founder of Disco Services, to help us review the links of this week. Welcome Dr. Schroeder. Well, I'm happy to be back. Happy to see you, absolutely. We have wonderful links, as usual. And I think we talked last week a little bit about that ADHD. And it is back here. Our first link is about ADHD and Disco The Connection.
1: What is the absolutely, connection? absolutely. Um, nearly a third was uh, like like we said. Also last week, there is a big overlap, and you call that comorbidity. Uh, nearly a third of the children with ADHD also have a math learning disability or um, dyscalculia, and um, their symptoms. Um, are intertwined, they kind of complicate one another, and that is difficult for educators and, and also clinicians who try to um, lay their finger on what's going on and make a diagnosis and suggestions on how to help a student. So to get that effective remediation going, you really need to consider both of them. So it would be wise if a student presents with ADHD to also test the uh, um the math um, achievement and uh, vice versa. When a student uh, has um, a dyscalculia math learning disability, please also consider or at least rule out uh, if there's ADHD. Now, ADHD has a deficit in the domain general area of executive functioning, so it does not only have an effect on the map, but also on other areas of learning and, and behavior. Oh,
0: okay.
1: And then um, another thing that's very important to look at is memory uh, and processing speed, and not only short-term verbal memory, but uh, in particular working memory. Now if you already struggle with uh, memorizing uh, and recalling math facts and uh, accurate step-by-step uh, procedures, that makes the whole thing more complicated and it takes away from your, um, so to say, brain um, power to uh, work with conceptual uh, understanding also. Now, in addition to today's ADHD-related struggles with working memory, processing speed, executive function, students with attention deficit Have some uh, other challenges uh, also because the ADHD brain is um, getting used to uh, stimulate very quickly. So basically, they they get bored fast. Oh, okay. So if you do a long series of uh, similar questions that they in fact know, they start losing their um, their focus. And they start making a lot of inattentive mistakes. Okay. Now... Um,
0: so it's not that they don't understand the material then, but they just get bored, lose focus, and then they're careless.
1: Yes. So the closer it is to road, the more that happens. But okay. uh, here's a caveat. Uh, we need to be sure that a child actually knows the math fact or the procedure before we just dismiss it as um, as an... Um, an inattentive error. So we need to ask similar questions in another situation or uh, embed it in the game to see if that really was (laughs) an inattentive inattentive error or that we need to reteach it. Okay, good point, good point.
0: Our next link uh, says, moving from teacher center to learner center. I thought we were always learner
1: centered. Yeah, well, well, I I think there was a lot of teacher center uh, going (laughs) on. And uh, this is a very nice article by uh, Katie Martin. And she writes about uh, several steps on how we can move from one model of teaching where everything is uh, centered around the teacher. Uh, as the source of information to the other model that is more uh, student si- uh, centered. Now, for example, it involves uh, moving from um, like doing everything the same, standardized, to more personalized. So, oh, wow. what is necessary for that specific uh, student or group of uh, students? And also from um, just being uh, compliant, so this was the number of questions we need to do, okay, we're done, to more ownership from the student so that he's more actively participating and and takes a leading role and maybe says, okay, i like to uh, do this or that uh, challenge around the assignments that uh, have been planned. So I particularly like uh, shift number three. She, I think she mentions four, and that is from uh, focusing on the product to focusing on the learning process. Uh, when we as teachers only focus on the end result, what is the answer to right or wrong? That is what our students think is the important part of math. Right. 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 And um, If we focus more on how did you do that, how can I help you, you have already done a few steps, what's the next step, then the process is more on the forefront of the attention. Sounds good, sounds the way to go. Last but not least, if I may add this here, um, think beyond mastery of isolated skills and focus more on uh, the learning experiences for application. uh, to look into the mindset, promoting mindsets uh, of students that are important to become uh, successful in, uh, in later life. So she has several other observations too, a really good read for the teachers among our listeners.
0: Okay. Now, our, our next link is a, is a picture <laughs> with some questionnaire rods uh, stacked on top of it. And the picture is from some guy with a guitar and no doubt. It is a celebrity. Unfortunately, I am not familiar with this individual. And it says creative with cuisine rods.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is a, it's a funny picture. And the, the student has put uh, cuisine rods uh, all over the hair of this uh, uh, celebrity. probably <laughs> celebrity. <laughs>
0: yeah, right.
1: And the question was to make the hair uh, look like 100. And this was their way to fix that. Now, I, I think it, it's, it's a good. Um, suggestion and this student clearly was engaged with the, with the numbers. I also allow uh, some time for students to get used to the materials, play with it, uh, particularly with the questionnaire rods. Um, uh, they need to start seeing the materials we use as, as part of their own toolbox, that they know what to do with it, that they feel connected to it. So we allow some stacking and moving as a train, one after the other, other wonderful moves with the cuisenaire rods, until they uh, start working uh, more in a numerical way. But don't forget, even laying down patterns is a good part of math, laying down a, a rectangle that makes uh, visualizing area and perimeter uh, easier. So I really uh, like the connection. Anything that helps to draw their attention to math tools is uh, is
0: great. Absolutely. Absolutely. The um, next link says, rethinking math instructions. What's wrong with that?
1: Well, this is an article by uh, Kate Nowak in, uh, the illustrative mathematics blog, and she suggests a different way of teaching. It sounds a bit like the math talks we have covered uh, before, but it definitely goes further. Her overall point is that we should not um, teach a set of procedures without deep conceptual understanding of what it means and how you can use it in real life. Uh, One of the things were mentioned that uh, starting, she thought that uh, just giving out this uh, set of instructions and um, procedures would help the students, but eventually realized that that uh, did not stick in their memory. And that is basically the same thing what one of our uh, basic rules of intervention for dyscalculia also says. Um in this article she describes a whole lesson in both ways. Um, very interesting uh, again for the teachers among us, it's, uh, it's a very detailed uh, description, you can use it uh, uh, immediately. Also um, have a look at her post um, that's called why we don't cross multiply. Where she says, please do not do that without an understanding of the underlying mathematics, which is obviously absolutely up our alley, uh, how we teach uh, students with dyscalculia.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. It brings us to our last link. It is a video, we're going to try and listen in for a bit. And it says, social economic status plays an important role. Let's see if this will work.
1: Actually published in 2010, but it was a large-scale review of um, national data on literacy and numeracy levels of children in secondary schools in England between 1948 and 2009. Okay, so
0: um, we see this lady behind a lecture table, and I see from the video that this is going to take about an hour.
1: Yes. uh, A little bit beyond
0: the scope of our podcast.
1: Well, that is true, but um, I really want to... um, suggest our listeners to click on this link. If you maybe do not have the whole hour, then look at different parts of it. And I'm sure you will be sucked into this because uh, Professor Sue Gadakal has a really long list of accomplishments. And I think she published over 100 articles and she wrote several books. Every presentation that she does is made specifically for that uh, audience. And uh, she brings up a very important point here about the socioeconomic status, uh, which is a really strong predictor of uh, development. And uh, she even shows a slide where you can see that kids who started really high, but didn't have a very favorable socioeconomic status, really um, went down kind of to the middle. And the kids that were not that uh, gifted um, when they set out in their education, but they had a better uh, socio-economic background were actually um, going in the same direction and they ended up at the same uh, level. Um, She also makes the point that there is no magic pill to solve problems for struggling learners but rather we need to provide them with a range of opportunities and ways ways to work around their difficulties, and this is really a presentation you uh, shouldn't miss. Um, Also one of uh, the details that is worth mentioning is that intervention for dyslexia was um, as effective for students with a high IQ as with a lower IQ, which again underlines that uh, we should not uh, withheld learning disability intervention in schools if there is a and if there's not a, a large discrepancy. We should not only intervene students with a high IQ but right. all of them. And she also compared um, medication of students with ADHD and low uh, working memory, and, and how they were doing in schools. Um, so uh, actually it is very difficult to disentangle um, the symptoms, to disentangle and, and make a specific diagnosis to say that this kid has ADHD and the other one has low working memory. The only difference appears to be the hyperactivity and failure to inhibit. So also she uh, talks about how uh, mental dimensions like um, working memory and uh, processing speed might be uh, better to help with uh, designing your intervention than a one word diagnosis.
0: Right. Very good. Well, thank you very much for your insights uh, this week, Dr. Short. hope to see you back next week. Um, Dr. Short is the founder of Disco Coolia Services, but she also has a website Disco org, and that is where you can follow a fully online training to become an independent Disco Coolia tutor. And we need lots of those, so we hope lots of you guys will try to find your way there. Curia Headlines Weekly is a production from Discoculia Headlines.com. You can find us on the web at Discoculia Headlines.com and we are on Twitter at Discoculia Head. You can also find us on Facebook, we have a board on Pinterest and on Flipboard. Search for Curia Headlines or follow the links on our webpage. You can send your questions, comments and contributions to communications at and we may even discuss it in one of our upcoming podcasts. We hope this was useful for you and until next week, you can count on us.